Aloha, beautiful souls. This is Randy, and I want to personally invite you to a brand new six-week group program that I have created, the Fear and Money Mindset Intensive. This six-week group coaching program is going to help you transform your fears and start taking action to make that big, scary dream that you've been putting on the back burner a reality. Trust me, I get it. When I was wanting to start my coaching business, I was held back by fear. I was so worried about what other people were going to think. I was afraid that I was going to fail, and I had a really horrible relationship with money. I believed that success meant working really long hours for years on end and that making money was hard. But when I was able to transform those fears and rewrite my money story, everything shifted for me. Now, nine months into my business, I have had the pleasure of serving over a hundred women. I am also an international coach. I've had the pleasure of serving women all across the United States and also in Europe and Canada. So I want to show you how you can transform your fear and also rewrite your money story so that you can achieve the success, the impact, the influence, and the income that you desire. It does not have to be that hard. You do not have to be stuck in fear. And I want to show you how to move through that fear, how to start taking action to make this dream a reality. So if you're ready to get stuck, to get unstuck and start to take action and start to really create that impact, influence, and like I said, income, that you not only desire, but that you deserve, then this program is for you. It's six weeks of coaching by not only me, but two other guest expert speakers and coaches. You will have access to a private exclusive Facebook group of other women who are on the same journey. You will get unlimited one-on-one Voxer support by me, which is basically like a coach in your back pocket. So if you're, if you want to learn more or if you're unsure about if this program is for you, I'm doing something special for all of our listeners. I'm offering a free discovery call with me so you can determine if this program is right for you. So if you're unsure, the link is in the show notes to book a discovery call. Or if you want to learn more information about this program, the link to the program is also in the show notes. And so I cannot wait to connect with you and see see you guys in this fear and money mindset intensive. Oh, it's going to be so incredible. And I just cannot wait to see all of the breakthroughs and transformations. Hey y'all, it's Randy. There is a trigger warning for this episode. If you are listening to this episode and you feel triggered, please just go ahead and skip forward to the next incredible episode. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today we talk to Emma Green. Emma is a health and fitness coach based out of the UK with a focus on helping women heal their relationship with food. We talk about how she overcame an eating disorder to now empowering other women to do the same. We also talk about imposter syndrome, what that is, and how she overcame that in her own life. 
She provides practical tools to help you heal your own relationship with food and discover your true self. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast with your host, Randy and Catherine. This is a space for powerful women to share their story and to be real and raw about the truth of living your life's purpose. Any topic is fair game. We check gossip at the door so we can focus on building community and collaboration. This podcast will help you discover your individual power and give you the tools to live your most uplifted life. So let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today we have Emma, and Emma is a PhD candidate with a master's degree in health psychology and is also a highly qualified personal trainer. She helps people navigate their relationship with food and live their most balanced life. And she joins us all the way from the UK. So welcome, Emma. Thank Thank you. you (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. So We just want to dive right into your story and kind of get to know a little bit more about why you're so passionate about helping women heal their relationship with food and live a more balanced life. Yeah, yeah. So um, for me, it starts, um, yeah, with my own story. I struggled with anorexia um, and first started when I was about 14. And it was something I struggled with for about 10 years. and you know it, it kind of it sort of went up and down it was a, a really really kind of dark period of my life so um and it's strange looking back on it because I feel like where I am now is is just very different um but but yeah during that time I had a lot of struggles was extremely restrictive with the amount of food the types of food I ate was also exercising a huge amount and really it just completely consumed my life you know I did very little else. I had very few friends, um, partly because I isolated myself because I was worried about going out to kind of restaurants and, and things like that. But I think also just because my brain was just so full of just thinking about food and exercise and calories that I almost didn't have any space left for anything else in my life. So it's, um, you know, like I said, it was a really, really dark period of my life and not, not, you know, something I would ever wish, wish on anyone. Um, but what I found kind of in, in recovery was that I kind of really realized kind of who I was as a person and actually how much kind of food and, and struggling with it really masks kind of who you are. And I went through this kind of process of kind of re- rediscovering, you know, who I was, particularly because when I was recovering, I was age, you know, 24, 25, right? And you're clearly very different that age to when you're a 13 year old anyway. Um and I think it also, through my recovery, opened my eyes to how many people actually struggle, right? Not everyone has eating disorders. Eating disorders are still relatively rare. Um, but, but a lot of people do still struggle with food and exercise and worrying about their body. And and it really just taking over so much of their life. And so now, you know, the work I do is is, is not, you know, with people with eating disorders, they you know absolutely need professional help and I would always signpost people to that but people that that struggle with having this kind of balance and I know balance gets thrown around a lot and without a lot of meaning but the way I see it is just where food and exercise enhance your life and don't take it over right and you know that looks different for everyone right depending on what kind of exercise you like doing you know what, what your diet's like but it's really just where it's kind of one one piece of your life if you're thinking about a pie it's just 
just one kind of piece. Um, and so I, you know, I, I work a lot with um, predominantly women, just because that tends to be who who comes to me. Um, you know, to, to have um, you know help them achieve that, so that then actually, yes, they can enjoy you know sort of eating and, and exercise and stuff, but actually they can enjoy all the other aspects of their life that have nothing to do with that, right? Because they've got the, the energy, you know, physically and mentally to, to give themselves to those other areas of their life. Wow. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point then on your journey through anorexia, did you kind of break free of that cycle and that very intrusive mindset and start to understand and take pride in your own health and well-being? Yeah, well, for me, I started struggling when I was 14, but I didn't actually receive a diagnosis until I was about age 20. So within six years, there was a lot of denial. um, And I did have a lot of people around me expressing concern, but sort of, you know, pushed it off and and things. Um, And it was actually what prompted me to go to the the doctors before I got my diagnosis was a friend that came to stay with me. I was um, studying at university at the time, my undergrad, and she was a friend from school. So we'd known each other for, for a long time. And she came to see me for the weekend. And after the weekend, she she sent me a text message and she just said, something really just doesn't seem right with you. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but but something just feels off. Um, I'm here if you want to talk. Wow. And that for me, that was it, right? Because it was someone that knew me. And I, I realized, wow, like, for only spending a couple of days with me, and I didn't think particularly, you know, I'd obviously tried to kind of, cover some of the you know struggles that I was having with food just you know be normal quote unquote but she still saw that and that for me was a a big a big um indicator and I'll be you know forever grateful to her for that and that was what made me go to the doctors and then um seek a diagnosis and then kind of begin the sort of journey towards health and it um you know it's a long journey I would say it, it took me sort of you know four to five years probably to feel you know, from starting recovery to feeling like, you know what, well, I'm fully recovered and I, I don't I don't struggle anymore. Um, I had a lot of different therapists. Um, and, you know, it was sometimes upwards, sometimes, you know, staying still, sometimes, you know, relapsing along the way. Um, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, so worth it for, for what I kind of, you know, have, have today and am able to help people with, with today as well. Yeah, and so today now you're helping other women recover with their with their own um, relationships with food and along that journey from going from your own eating disorder to now helping others not heal from eating disorders but you know um, Mm. disordered eating yeah what were some of those struggles that you faced along the way of going from being in the midst of your eating disorder to now being you know, recovered from your eating disorder. I don't know. Do you say you're recovered? I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some people choose to say in recovery. I choose to say recovered because for me, it means that not that I don't ever have days where I feel a bit shit or whatever, but I know how to deal with it now and it doesn't affect my behaviors negatively. Right. So um, I say, I say recovered just because I'm confident about how I manage it, I suppose. But some people do like to say still in recovery because, mm-hmm. you know, I think we can all, there are all things we can work on and I understand that mindset. But for me, I kind of, I like to say recovered because it's kind of door shut, you know, that was a part of my life and this is, you know, a new, a new chapter now. So, but yeah, in terms of the transition, I mean, I think it's very strange because although 
you know with an eating disorder it kind of is about food it's it's kind of not about food and and I I did realize just how much of myself I'd really lost um in in my eating disorder so I went through quite a long period of not really knowing who I was which was um really strange you know because I think you always feel this pressure to kind of know who you are and what you want and 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 things like that and you know it's one of the reasons that I kind of continued in kind of academia because I thought well I don't I don't know what I want to do let's just keep studying and I'm, I'm glad I did because I do I do enjoy that as well um but kind of you know threw, threw myself in into that um but I did realize that you know I I do like helping people um you know in any way that I can and um I don't know that there was a particular moment where I felt like I could help people but I I've just always felt because of the the way that I've struggled if there's any way that that can help anyone. I'm so keen to do that. Um, when I was uh, recovering as well, I um, participated in a lot of research studies, um, uh, you know, about people with eating disorders because it's, you know, there aren't that many people as, as a whole. Um, so I thought, you know, what, if I can give back in that way, great. Why not? You know? Um, so, so yeah, I, I think I've just always felt this, um, yeah, d- desire to, to, to give something back if, if I can. And, and, and prevent people, you know, not necessarily struggling with these, but still struggling with, with food and exercise and, and things, because it just, it takes away so much from, from your life. And it's just, um, yeah, it's really, it's really sad to see. And I, and I, you know, I do know now that I, I can help people with that. You know, I've, um, you know, it's, I think you sometimes feel like, oh, I don't know enough. I haven't, you know, um, you know, made, I don't know, got enough qualifications or, you know, whatever, but, but I, but I know, you know, deep down that, that I can. And again, I've still got things that I can learn and improve and things as a coach. But um, yeah, I just have that, I guess that's like a burning desire, right, to, to, to give back. And that's actually a good transition because I did want to, we, we learned about this before we started recording, but mm. struggles with the um, feeling like a fraud and the uh, imposter syndrome. So you kind of just briefly touched on that there at the end where you're like, well, am I yeah. good enough to do this? Am I worthy enough to do this? So I'd like to hear a little bit more about how that came about because <laughs> yeah. I've my own um, version of imposter syndrome. So I'd love to hear your experience with that. Um, what was that like for you and what brought that on? And like, how are you dealing with that now? And maybe yeah. explain what that yeah. is for people who don't know. Cause yes. uh, Catherine and I were talking about it last night and she didn't actually know that there was a term for, even though I've been for what it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I definitely struggled with it before I knew what it was, but yeah, essentially it's kind of not feeling like enough, right. Compared, compared to others. And this kind of fear that you'll be found out as, as being kind of, um, you know, not qualified or you know you shouldn't be somewhere basically um and yeah I've I've, I have struggled with this a lot and I actually trace it back to um when I was at school actually before I um had my eating disorder it's probably one of the triggers for that as well I was quite badly bullied um and I was kind of it wasn't anything extreme in terms of being violent but I was kind of singled out and I think that was the first time in my life where I thought well maybe I'm not good enough right maybe it's me um you know there's something something wrong with me and I think um I didn't have that awareness at the time but I think that sort of stayed with me and I think that then kind of resurfaced at several later points in my life um I've I've always been a a person that if I if I kind of mess something up I will kind of blame myself and do a lot of kind of beating myself up about it and and things like that and thinking oh you know if I do this if I do this wrong oh I'm a failure I'm not this I'm not this and I think 
that kind of way of thinking um, leads itself, I then, I think, to this kind of imposter syndrome. And it's funny because I think I always felt like if I went further in kind of academia or something like that, that it would it would lessen and it didn't. <laughs> so I did, you know, I did my undergrad in, in psychology, um, still kind of felt this imposter syndrome, did my master's, still very much felt like into my PhD, absolutely still felt like that. And um, and I think that's what's really interesting about it. It's not about the qualifications you have, how much experience you have, it's how you feel on the inside. Um, and I think, you know, now it's still something I would say I do struggle with from time to time. I think, you know, I, I am quite hard on myself. You know, I, I do try and be, you know, self-compassionate. And when I do make a mistake, try and, you know, um, look at it a bit more objectively and, and as a kind of learning experience and all of this kind of thing. But, but I think it, it probably is perhaps a way something that will um, be there and in, in some capacity. So I think it is for, for a lot of, a lot of people. Um, and I think, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't beat ourselves up for having imposter syndrome, right. As, as well. Um, because, you know, it's not nice to experience, but it is very normal. So, so I think we've, um, as much as it's good to work on it and, you know, um, confidence and, and sort of challenge some of our negative beliefs about ourselves. I think we've got to, you know, be compassionate with ourselves at the same time for experiencing it because it is, you know, a very natural human kind of experience. Do you think that that's given you some of your drive in your career and your academia? Like, oh, I'm not good enough. Let me get another degree. Oh, I'm not good enough. Let me learn something else. Like, do you think that's kind of been yeah. a, a driving force for you? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think with, with um, all of my degrees, I think particularly like with my with my PhD and and, you know, even qualifying as a kind of as a personal trainer. I think that was part of that. Like, oh, if I'm going to work with people, I mean, part of it is just, you know, I, I want to know my stuff as well. But yeah, a big part of it was kind of I want um, kind of evidence on paper that I'm good enough. Right. So if I've got if I've got these letters, then that means that I'm, you know, considered OK. And it's um yeah, and like I said, it's kind of that perception that that's oh, when when this happens, I will be okay. And it that very much wasn't the case. I'm you know pleased with my you know my education. I enjoyed it, but it it didn't change fundamentally how I felt about myself. You know, um, so yeah, I think that that is a driver. And I guess you know, I, it's hard to know if I didn't experience imposter syndrome, would I have? pursued academia at all I don't know so it's hard to know isn't it um so so I think there is maybe a um you know some upsides to it as well I think often it is people that do have you know success in in one or more areas of their life that do experience it so I don't know if that's you know um if it's coincidence or if it's actually a reason or or whatever but but I think it is hugely encouraging that people that do struggle with it do still go on to be successful as well but it's you know although it's um you know uncomfortable to experience um it it doesn't have to be something that does prevent you from you know going forward and, and pursuing what it is that you you want to pursue yeah but i think on the on the flip side there are you even touched on this as well there are a lot of people who allow this imposter syndrome to block them from moving forward in their life, mm-hmm. from taking action yeah, yeah. on achieving their goals. Because like you said, they may go through, you know, get that course, you know, get that certification. But then at the end of it, 
they never start their business. They never make that change. They never do anything further because like you said, even when you get that degree, that certification, it doesn't change how you feel inside about yourself. Having these external things doesn't change who we are inside. So Mm. how do you think you've been able to continue to take action, to continue to move forward in your life, even with dealing with this imposter syndrome? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is actually, um, sounds strange, but kind of getting to know the people around me and realizing that they are also human. I remember before I started my PhD thinking that when I, you know, when I start my PhD, I'm going to be surrounded by just people that are just geniuses, right? They're just going to be on another level, you know, level of kind of intelligence that I'm just, you know, and, you know, they were very bright, but but they weren't geniuses, right? So, and that was hugely helpful for me. And even, you know, like my supervisors and other people at academia, I thought, oh, wow, like these are normal people. Yes, they have, you know, um, you know, certain, you know, other degrees and, and things like that. But, it, but, but that really helped, you know, that nobody knows everything. Yeah. Um, and I think the way that we see other people is, you know, um, particularly when you have imposter syndrome is often quite far removed from the reality, right? We tend to put other people on pedestals. So I think that's actually been huge for me is, is, is trying not to put people on pedestals and realizing that we are all human. We all have our own struggles. Nobody knows everything. Nobody is perfect. And, you know, everyone has a right to be where they are, regardless. We all bring different skills, different experiences, different abilities. And that's amazing that we all, we all bring these different things to the table. Um, so, so I think that that's, you know, that has been um, huge. And I think, I think for me, actually realizing time and time again, that when I thought these things were going to bring me this set of, sense of satisfaction and they didn't, I think that did eventually sink in and I thought, oh, you know what, actually I've got, I've got now kind of, you know, nearly three degrees and that, that hasn't made me feel better about myself, you know, ne- um, necessarily, um, on, you know, on its own. Um, so, so actually having that experience of doing it, because I sometimes think we do have to sometimes experience things for ourselves to, for it to really, really sink in sometimes numerous times. Right. Um, so I think that and just being reminded over and over again that it's not things that essentially bring that inner inner satisfaction. It's, you know, the kind of inner work that, that we do and our and our relationships with others and, and things that I think um, you know, do. I think that's important to realize because I kind of went through that same realization, um, not necessarily in my career, but just as I was getting started in business, thinking like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. these billionaires and billionaires must have something I don't have. And it kind of made me realize like they're just people. They walk around with just as much poop in their body as everyone yeah. else does. Like, we're all just people, you know? Um, but I think that was important. And, and also kind of realizing things like status, things like degrees or titles are all just man-made constructs. Like, they don't actually – they hold as much weight as we give them. Um, so yeah. to realize, like, we're all just people. We're all dealing with our own shit. We're all just trying to make it in this world, like – that was really eye-opening for me. And it gives you a little more compassion, too, and, and understanding that, like, you can't see what they're going through, but there's something. It may not be what you're going through, but they're also going through their own reality and their own struggles. So that that's interesting that, yeah, I feel like we, we're on the same path here. Because <laughs> I've, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. that same kind of, kind of issues there. That's interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, it just remind me, I think that's why um, I'm really passionate with kind of social media and people not only showing this kind of perfection, right. And people kind of 
you know, again, you know, you don't necessarily have to air, air everything on, on social media, but, you know, showing that, you know what, you're not perfect. Everything isn't sunshine and rainbows. And I, and I think that that is huge as well, um, you know, because I think we increasingly spend, you know, time in these kind of spaces. And I think, um, you know, it, it can go either way, right? If we're surrounded by people, like, oh, wow, you know, they, they've got these struggles, you know, I didn't sort of know that. And that can be really helpful. And, you know, we can relate to people. But equally, if, you know, there are other other people that are sort of saying, oh, you know, everything's great, woohoo, you know, I think I think that can be helpful. So I think I think that's a, a kind of, um, you know, a kind of, is it, yeah, it's a difficult topic, um, I think. And it's, again, I'm not saying that I have the kind of ultimate guide to how to, you know, portray yourself on social media but it just reminded me when you said that because I think that that kind of humanizing um and you know revealing that actually we do have struggles and things can be hugely powerful both for the person revealing it and and the people that um you know are are there to kind of you know listen to it right yeah because I think that you touched on that like I I believe that such a big part of this imposter syndrome is this comparison that we're going through on social media, right? Like we're comparing our lives to this highlight reel of, you know, people who have come, you know, are on the other end of their journey. And we think, oh, we need to be there. Why am I not there? I'm not good enough. Well, they may I'm not, not be on the other side. There might be there, just, Well, and exactly. And that's like. the thing is there is, is they have these perfectly curated profiles right. and we think that that's reality. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that it generates these feelings of not enoughness yeah. because we think that we need to be there or in order to be successful, that's what it has to look like. And when our reality yeah. doesn't match that, we feel like an imposter. We feel like, who am I if I don't have a hundred thousand followers? Who am I if I don't have these? Yeah. Things? And I really think that that's what's driving this imposter syndrome. And I think the more that we can pull away from comparing ourselves and realizing, like Catherine said, like you said, the shared humanity that we are all experiencing, I really believe that a lot of those issues would just go away if we could just, you know, realize that everyone struggles, everyone's going through their own issues and, what we see on social media isn't reality. And so if we can just give up that comparison, I think a lot of these other issues that we create in our lives would just kind of go away. Yeah, I agree. And I think you touched on, I think a really good point as well, that there's this kind of with social media, there's this um, number thing as well. And I think that makes it worse. Right. And I I think we we can all get very attached to numbers and the meaning behind them, whether that's the number on the scale, the number on the bar, if we're at the gym, whatever. Right. And, and I think that that is something to be mindful as well. But these are just, you know, constructs they, they don't mean anything. They're not a kind of marker of, of your self-worth. And I totally agree about about comparison. I think it's um, it's very normal to to compare. But I think we, we need to be really mindful of it. And uh, because I, I, don't, I don't see it as helpful. I, I don't I don't think we really ever get anything out of these these kind of comparisons, you know. And I think, you know, it does sound perhaps a bit harsh as well but I do think on social media that we also have to be careful about who we choose to follow and what we choose to consume and I think it may not be someone's fault but if they make you feel really bad about yourself unfollow them you know or mute them right you can do that now if you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or whatever 
Um, because again, I, I think sometimes it is really, really hard, particularly if we're already in quite a negative place and then we're seeing this kind of perfection. Um, I sometimes think you have to sort of give yourself a bit of space. You can work on you a little bit and then, you know, you might be able to, you know, re reconnect with those people if you want to. But I think it's, you know, it's okay to, um, you know, to, yeah, just move away a little bit from, from certain people um, to, to, to work on you. Because, you know, this this is hard, this this stuff, right? You know, it's, it's hard to, to deal with. And I think, you know, social media can, can exacerbate these issues. I, yeah, completely agree. Absolutely. And as far as what you do, because you help your mm -hmm. clients to kind of heal their relationship with food, but, and maybe not just with food, but just your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being. Yeah do on a daily weekly monthly basis to practice this and to work on healing yourself yeah so i mean with with all my clients it's kind of um we kind of i suppose we start with food right because i feel like that's kind of where where things often start start with people um and i'm really big on kind of um thinking about kind of habits and both kind of, I guess, good habits, right. And, and bad habits. Cause I think often we get into these kind of patterns and, and things like that. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it's difficult to kind of break free of them. So I like to kind of work, work on maybe things that, that they feel they perhaps have a, a negative um, habit. So maybe that's, I don't know, they're continually over exercising, for example, um, or they're, you know, um, continually restricting certain foods from the diet and things like that. And, and work on kind of replacing these with, with habits that um, are, you know, are helpful for them, you know. Um, and I think the thing is, I, I like with habits is that once they're kind of set up, you don't really have to think about them. So then you've got all this kind of time and energy to spend on other things, right? When you don't have to stress about, you know, nutrition or, you know, or, or training or whatever. Um, yeah, you've then just got this, yeah, this kind of physical and mental energy for, for other areas of your life. So I'm really big on kind of creating those. And again, it's, it's not um, an overnight process. You know, all these kind of changes take time. I, you know, I, with my clients, I take everything kind of week by week. They'll have kind of little sort of challenges that they're kind of working towards and things like that. Like um, a client, for example, at the moment, she, um, it, she, I wouldn't say it's kind of um, obsessive, but she has this kind of habit of like having to walk a certain number of like minutes each day, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she was doing that three times a day. I think it was um, before work um, at lunchtime and after work. And it was sort of a, a kind of um, not a huge amount, right. But something that I, it was a kind of need, right so say this week for example it's like okay we're just going to knock one of those walks on the head and just see how you feel right you know it's um you know we'll check in see, see how you get on um and 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 kind of go from there so I think with all these things it's kind of little little steps I think and the same way that you know if someone has been restricting a lot of foods it's not like okay we'll just go intuitively enjoy you know like you have to do do these things gradually and you know bring in things like, you know, meals out in restaurants, if that's a struggle, you know, I, um, a lot of uh, my clients come to me, they're sort of tracking all three macros, you know, very rigidly, and we'll loosen those up to start with, right, we'll start, okay, well, we'll start with macro ranges, first of all, so instead of, you know, 110 grams of protein, we'll go 110 to 130, you know, and then we'll go, okay, maybe we'll just track protein and calories, or maybe we can have an untracked meal, you know what I mean, so you, you kind of build, build from, from there, and kind of push them, but not, um, too much too soon because I think you know it, it's so important to kind of build this momentum and confidence that, that you can you can do it and it, and it is hard and I do sometimes have to kind of 
hold hold you know them back as well I think because um you know we do sometimes want to do it all in one go and I think um it's great to be enthusiastic but sometimes you know that that can sort of um not turn out so well right because then you kind of can't keep up you struggle and then um that can be a little bit of a setback um so yeah interesting and then what kind of like for you personally what kind of habits do you practice daily yeah 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 um I mean I think um like for me um actually I do quite a lot of stuff around mindfulness um for me because I'm naturally kind of not that mindful at all like I've always got a million thoughts in my head you know going a million miles an hour so for me um you know because I feel I'm in a good place with kind of food and and exercise where it's not a big thing in my life but I I like to really try and you know focus on being more present so I I make it a habit to meditate um each day to kind of 30 minutes um which I find is really really helpful um and you know it's I you know I, I think that time it's Sometimes I don't want to do it and, it, you know, it's hard. Sometimes my thoughts are kind of all over the place. But I do feel a lot better for that. And I just find that when I do that, I feel a lot calmer the rest of the day. But I'm also much more able to be present when I'm with other people. Um, you know, and I, and I think that that is kind of really important. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really big on, on those kind of practices. You know, I like to kind of sometimes go for walks and things and just kind of like listen to something and just really focus on, my surroundings and, and things like that so for me I guess it's kind of mindfulness particularly that I'm really trying to um trying to work on um at the moment and I think you know that does then translate sometimes to kind of exercise and things as well because you know although I've done a lot of work um around you know exercise I do still have the tendency to push myself a little bit further than I should sometimes right so I think that mindfulness really helps sometimes when I'm kind of in the gym I'm like oh you know should I do an exercise should I do that you know should I really push it and and actually being able to really make that call in the moment, actually, should I be doing this? Or is it maybe like my ego talking or, or whatever? Um, so I, I do I do find that that really helpful. Wow, cool. That's incredible. So many, so many like amazing little nuggets for our listeners. I love it. So I before we, we have a couple more questions before we wrap up, like, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you would like to, or you wish we would have asked you, or that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I think I would just say, if, if people are working on their relationship with kind of food and things, um, that I think that should be your focus. So I sometimes find there are people that are like, you know, I want to work on my relationship with food, but I'd also like to lose weight, right? And that doesn't work. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, we, we have to be prepared if we're going to do this work, with changing our mindset around food and, you know, with exercise and things to just even just put pause on that kind of stuff for a while. Um, because it does take a lot of energy. And I think if we've got these other, you know, it's not that perhaps those goals maybe can't be re- revisited in the future if we decide that's really important. And, and often people find they're not later on down the line. But but I think at least putting the pause on them and just giving your your full attention to, to working on this, this stuff with food. Because I think... Um, you know, it, it, it's so important that we don't have these kind of, yeah, I guess other, other agendas, right? Because that, that will interfere with our ability to eat, you know, enough food, eat the foods that really satisfy us, right? If we're still thinking, oh, actually, like, I still want to lose weight, so I'm going to still stick to low-calorie foods or clean food, you know, whatever. So, so I think that would just be what I would say is just, um, you know, when you're doing this work, just, just be prepared to at least just put that you know, on pause for a while and you can revisit it later and, and see how you feel. Um, 
Yeah. I absolutely resonate with that because, you know, I wasn't ever diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I dealt with a lot of disordered eating habits with restricting how much I ate, the types of food, the timing of the food, um, being super strict with like my macro breakdown, um, over exercising. When I was in high school, I would, you know, make myself throw up. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't know, I could have been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but Honestly, when I healed that relationship with food, I gained weight. And that was like, I had to be okay with that because I had to see that that was greater and I would gain so much more even though the scale went up. And so I absolutely resonate with that because my life is so much freer now that I don't have to worry about all of those little things like counting my macros and you know, weighing out every little thing. It's like, I can just enjoy the things that fuel my body that make me feel good. So I, Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that message. Yeah, no, it's right. Yeah. And I think, I just think that's so important and we're all different, right? We all, we we all know this deep down, but I think it's, it's so worth reminding ourselves that and our body knows where it's happy. Right. And that may not be the number that we have in our heads. So I I think, yeah, I can, I completely resonate. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so our last major question, um, we like to end our podcast by giving our audience three words of advice that you would give them that they could take action to uplift their lives now. So what are three things that you would recommend to our audience? Okay, so I would say, first of all, um, be more mindful. So whatever that looks like for you in your life, maybe that's meditation, maybe that's yoga, maybe it's gratitude, whatever works for you. Um, The second thing I would say... um, is um, to kind of focus on nourishing yourself. Um, And I would say kind of physically and mentally. I think we can sometimes feel that we're being selfish, but it's really, really important to kind of make time for ourselves, you know, make time to feed ourselves properly and also do the activities that we enjoy that don't necessarily lead to anything, but are just just something that that satisfies us. So whatever that that looks like for you. and I guess the third piece would just be to kind of, you know, move your body in a way that feels good to you. You know, I mean, I, I like, you know, lifting weights and I like yoga and things like that. But I think everyone has different things that they enjoy. And I think that's OK. I think in the fitness industry, we get very caught up in these different fitness camps and it's, you know, in things. But actually, if someone's, you know, moving their body in a way that feels good for them, that's great. We should be celebrating that. So I would just encourage everyone to find whatever it is for them that, that they enjoy and yeah, go with it. I love that. I love that. So where can our viewers and our listeners learn more about you, connect with you? Um, just be a part of your, your world. Sure. Yeah. So Instagram is the best place to find me. I'm, I'm vegan fitness PhD on Instagram. Um, I'm vegan. I actually don't talk that much about being vegan, so you don't have to be a vegan to, um, to connect with, um, but yeah, that's the best place place to find me. I love having, you know, conversations with, with people about, about these kinds of topics and, and hearing other people's, um, perspectives and experiences. And, you know, I'm always happy to be challenged on, on anything that, um, you know, I post and I've, yeah, I've had some great conversations. So yeah, that would be fantastic if people were. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time and your story, and that's fantastic. And we'll uh, yeah, we love what you're doing yeah. in the world. So thank you so much thank for you. spending your your time with us and sharing all of these amazing golden nuggets with our audience. My pleasure. No, it was really fun. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with us. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. To continue the conversation, follow Catherine and Randy on social media. Our links are listed in the show notes. We can't wait to share another powerful story with you next week. And until then, stay stay uplifted. uplifted.